Well, we've taken racial equity to a whole new level, haven't we? We've taken a term that was not mainstream until a year ago, and we've made it every part of our lives, or at least some people have, and they want to make it a part of your life. Senator Cory Booker, Democrat New Jersey, he wants Google to conduct a racial equity audit to make the product safer for black people. What exactly is not safe about Google? Except, of course, all the conservative content that they hide and diminish. Now, in that case, I'd like to see an audit. But what specifically about black people? It's necessary to find harmful racial bias baked into the technology of its products. No word yet from the CEO of Alphabet, which owns Google, Sundra Pichai, who is Indian. No, we shouldn't. We, we won't notice that, right? Because that's not really the story. There, you're just you're just uh, just pretending to understand the issue, Tony. That must be it. We are concerned after hearing reports about your company and its products about harmful bias at Alphabet. This a series of senators wrote in, uh, just the other day, June first, twenty twenty one. We urge Alphabet to conduct a racial equity audit and to use the investigation and recommendations to make the company and its products safer for Black people. No, 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 no. Conservatives first, for free speech first. You, you will wait in line, Cory Booker. Why? Because my needs actually help all types of people. Your need is to try and get yourself reelected. Tony Katz, that's me, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. If you were to say to me that algorithms could be coded in a way that have a leaning, I'll believe you. If it's worth noting that or is it worth noting that i would say yeah sure their letter says civil and digital rights organizations and researchers have long raised concerns about how racial bias gets baked into the development and deployment of technology and perpetuate discriminatory harms these deficiencies in technology products are a direct result of the decisions of whether and how to build the technology and these decisions often reflect the characteristics of the workforce and the workplace where the technology was created absolutely true so here is the question senator booker can we do conservatives first because there are black conservatives out there really can we get rid of the whole idea that we're going to talk about skin color over here and we're going to talk about um uh, uh, political uh, status over here or political belief and can we get into the idea of ensuring that we don't diminish opportunities for people in social media with uh, their content of reaching other people and sharing with other people. They're concerned about harmful bias at Google. Well, where the hell have you been, man? We've been concerned about harmful bias at Google, at Twitter, at Facebook, the entire social media apparatchik for years. And you know what you've done, Senator Booker? I don't know. That's the whole point. Your party certainly shouldn't, uh, hasn't done anything except been okay with it. Opposed in so many ways and thrilled in so many other ways. 
opposed to doing something about it, thrilled when it happens. When people are taken off platforms, when they're shadow banned, when they're limited, because somebody else says, hmm, what they're sharing isn't right. So just throw this on the list. I'm just thinking I want conservatives to go first. But if you think in the way you're doing it, it will also get rid of the other bigotry and bias that's in there from Google. All right, cool. I mean, I'll I'll let you go first if you'll get rid of the bigotry and the bias. You just have to admit to it. If we're going to get Google to admit things, let them admit this. One of the things the senator cited as an example, including Google's cloud vision image recognition recognition tool, reportedly labels images of a thermometer held by light-skinned people as an electronic device while labeling them as a gun when held by dark-skinned people. Well, that's pretty interesting. A thermometer? Well, I don't know what the thermometer looks like. Well, it's just reading the image and doing with it what it can. That's interesting. As a matter of fact, you don't hear me, uh, you know, just crapping all over it. No, 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 no. I don't mind you looking into it. Because I think it's kind of interesting that this can happen because it's very possible it can happen. My question is, when you write Google search, its its ad algorithm and YouTube have all been found to perpetuate racist stereotypes and white nationalist viewpoints. Whoa, 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 whoa. White nationalist viewpoints? You're calling them white nationalists? Even I haven't done that. I just call them bigots. You keep conservatives from speaking out. Well, what else is it? Kindness? But as far as I'm concerned, go right ahead. I don't care, Senator Booker, if you punch Google in the face and make fun of their mother. I just want to know that you're also going to ensure that conservatives get to speak and that conservative points of view are not muzzled and that conservatives are not looked at in this kind of despicable light because we wouldn't want that. Could you imagine just disparaging an entire group of people for the way they were born? I was born a conservative. I find myself thinking about things, going over things, and I have over the years, and then I'll end up reading some paragraph from F.A. Hayek or something from Edward Schills or, 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 or something um, uh, from uh, de Tocqueville. I'll be like, oh, my gosh, I've been saying that all along. Therefore, it is, is hardwired into my DNA, right, to be somebody who believes in freedom and liberty. Somebody who believes that the people get the choice of of how they want to live their lives. And I don't think that I should be diminished for it or thrown into a closet for it or, or anybody has the right to make me try and feel shame about it and I won't feel any shame about it. I was born this way, and I want Cory Booker on my side. I want him and Rosario Dawson to come to my house and bring me a snack and tell me it's going to be okay and maybe a hug. Do, is, is, am I going to get that? Oh, probably not. But you want to punch them in the face. You punch them in the face. A racial equity audit is long overdue. I have no idea what you mean by racial equity audit. and You don't either. This equity conversation has gotten into a silliness. It's a term that means nothing, yet is so remarkably loaded. That's what Marxism does. Ooh, ooh, if you want a place where you need to start limiting people, limit the Marxists. Because that's what they would do to you. It's only, it's only right. This brings me to a, a part two conversation. 
regarding Ricky Martin, and I know what you're saying. Are you talking about the Living La Vida Loca guy? I am talking about the Living La Vida Loca guy. Because just the other day we were talking about Naomi Osaka. And Naomi Osaka, tennis player, she didn't want to do press. She didn't want to do press. It it, it, it gives her stress and, and it has created anxiety in her. And she doesn't want to do press. Well, if you don't do press, you get fined if you don't do press. You're going to play the French Open, Roland Garros. You're going to do... You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna do press. Oh no no, I don't want to do any press. And she wins her first match. She's the number two tennis player in the world. She made more money than anybody else in tennis last year, at least women. And she doesn't do the press, and they fine her fifteen thousand dollars, and she pulls out of the tournament. Which was the right thing for her to do, because the tournament is allowed to have rules. This isn't about a question of whether or not you feel this way. It's that the tournament is allowed to have rules, and these are the rules. And it should be noted that you are in a position by which you can pull out. Lots of other people still have to show up to work every day. I don't joke about mental illness. I talk about my own issues, my own history, my own depression, my own being. These things happened in my life. By the way, the Suicide Prevention Hotline, 1-800-273-8255. I never made that call. If you need to, make the call. Don't worry about it. Just call. If, you, if you're feeling it, you call. You're not, you're not crazy. Sometimes you feel that way. And if it doesn't shake and if it doesn't go away, if you can't see your way out of it, 1-800-273-8255. Go ahead. Do that. Don't listen to this show. Make that phone call. I'm not saying that Naomi Osaka doesn't feel this way. I'm saying that because she feels this way doesn't mean that Roland Garros has to change what they do. Or tennis. Or sports, for that matter. Maybe they will, but they don't have to. Fox News reporting that Ricky Martin revealed feeling PTSD over a Barbara Walters interview where she asked him to come out of the closet. He came out of the closet a decade later. Now, I'm going to say that it's wrong to ask somebody, are you gay? It's no one's business. And he should have got up and left the interview and told her to go to hell. She's not good. She's not kind. She's not smart. Hey, Barbara, why don't you go to hell? Would have been a fine thing to say. I would have had no problem with it whatsoever. PTSD? I don't think you can call it that. I want to go on record. I don't think you can call it that. When she dropped the question, he says, I felt violated because I was just not ready to come out. I was very afraid, he said, getting very shaken up, thinking about the moment 11 years later. There's a little PTSD with that. No, 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 no. You didn't like it. It certainly made you uncomfortable. You thought it was a radically disrespectful question and extremely invasive. And who the hell does she think she is? That would all be fine. PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. You are not in the military. You were not being, you were not in a place where bombs were being dropped around you. People were being killed around you. With all due respect, you, that, no, no. I think, I think we do have to say, wait a second. And maybe we do need to ask ourselves, is everything everything? I am not saying it didn't bother you. 
I am saying that to refer to it as PTSD, let's not do that. Let's not be those people. Because what happens is people invent all sorts of reasons to be offended. Oh, and, it, and clutching the pearls and, oh, the vapors come and, oh, look at me and attention grabbing. It could just be with Ricky Martin. That was just the, the phrase he used. He doesn't necessarily mean it like that. I'm not going to hold him to that. I'm simply going to say let's not call it that. This brings us to Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Oh, that's not necessary. Ari, that is not necessary. You didn't have to, you didn't have to play that. You both know that wasn't me. That was, that was totally you, producer Ari. Your mother would be so disappointed. Representative Ocasio-Cortez tweets out, Over a week ago, my abuela fell ill, her grandmother. I went to Puerto Rico to see her my first time in a year plus because of COVID. And she posts some photos. And the photos show the ceiling in parts coming down and some buckets that are collecting water. This is her home. Hurricane Maria relief hasn't arrived. Trump blocked relief dollars for Puerto Rico. People are being forced to flee ancestral homes and developers are taking them. Well, first... Ancestral homes. Well, nice to make a, a, a Palestinian reference in a, in a weird way and keep everything, you know, all about you. Secondly, if your grandmother's roof is destroyed, why aren't you fixing it? You're waiting for government? Well, of course you are, because once again, you have to be a victim. You get paid $180,000 a year, you own a Tesla, you live in D.C. and still have a place in New York, but you're a victim. It didn't dawn on you to simply drive a Chevy Cruze and then send some money to your abuela, like millions of Americans do every single day, week, month, and year. Instead, you take photos and you say, my poor grandmother. I mean, that's what you do. Oh, look at me. Why isn't anybody paying attention to me? Don't you know how difficult these things are? When people commented of, why aren't you just fixing this? She responds, you don't even have a concept for the role that first-generation, first-born daughters play in their families. What? My abuela is okay, but instead of only caring for mine and letting others suffer, I'm calling attention to the systemic injustices others seem totally fine with having in, the, in a U.S. colony. Money did not get to all the places it needed to because of the corruption in Puerto Rico. It's just like when Hurricane Maria hit and people are like, why is the aid getting around the island? The roads were destroyed. The infrastructure was already garbage. The road was destroyed. You had boats, ships that had the goods. They couldn't get to port. Even if they'd gone to port, they couldn't have gotten out to people. It was a mess. It was a disaster. By the way, it was a disaster before Hurricane Maria because, as experts will tell you, Puerto Rico is not properly built. 
There is no system on systems for when the beach areas flood be or get attacked or get hit hardest because of hurricanes. What do you have in the more mountainous regions that can help those people? There's a series of questions there. But look at the line. You don't even have a concept for the role that first-generation, firstborn daughters play in their families. Nobody. Uh, uh, once again, I'm too special. You don't understand. You're not smart enough. You're not capable enough. Me, 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 me. If you're driving a Tesla and not helping your abuela with her roof, you've told us what you value. Don't then tell us you're valuable. I'm Tony Katz. I got, remind me, I got to share. If I don't get to it today, I'm going to go crazy. Joe Biden on the, on the filibuster and the response from Senator Cinema in Arizona. You're going to watch Democrat eat Democrat. It's, it's going to happen. People who are so radically opposed to uh, the, 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 the filibuster. Oh my gosh, don't let Republicans have a say in anything. Oh, how dare you? You can't do that. You can't let them actually think they have something they can offer. No, 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 no. You, you, you don't let them talk. And here are some Democrats like Cinema and uh, Joe Manchin saying, whoa, 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 whoa. This is pretty important. Maybe we should be pretty serious about ensuring that other people have a, have a right to speak out. Maybe we shouldn't lock other people out of the process. Democrats can't stand this. Not the hard leftist who believes in power for the sake of power. Power for the sake of power seems to be going on in schools with ideas of critical race theory. One mother was willing to get sued. She won't be. But what did it take? What is the pushback? William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor of LegalInsurrection.com. He's got the latest for us. It's coming up next. Keep it here. We talk often about critical race theory because, well, it's a subject. What we're seeing in schools is problematic and dangerous. And very often you'll have people say, well, no, critical race theory has been around for years. You're just angry because Tucker Carlson made you afraid. That's not it. And if critical race theory is just an idea that isn't such a problem, why would there be parents who have to question whether or not they're going to get sued by school districts for wanting information about what's being taught to their children. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, it's so good to be with you. William Jacobson joins us right now from LegalInsurrection.com, Cornell Law Professor, that he is the story. And, of course, they do a lot with critical race theory over there at LegalInsurrection.com. They run the site CriticalRace.org. The story is a woman in Rhode Island who was fortunate enough not to get sued by a school district because she wanted records on critical race theory. Uh, William, good to have you with us. Take us through the steps of what happened here. Sure. There's a a mom in town of South Kingstown, Rhode Island, which is in southern Rhode Island, 
and she has a kindergartner who's going to enter school in the fall and is registered. And she wanted to find out what the curriculum was going to be because she's heard a lot of things about the critical race theory and gender theory and all the stuff going on in elementary schools. She had heard some things locally about it. And they wouldn't give her answers. They stonewalled her. They wouldn't let her tour the classrooms so she could see what sort of posters they have. Uh, and finally, she went back and forth and back and forth. And they said, oh, you know, you've got to file public record requests. And there's a certain procedure. In fact, they have a portal on the school website. And she did that. And she filed a big one. And they come back and they said, well, that's going to cost you $9,000 if you want that. So she figured out. Well, there's a number. Yeah, if she asked a lot of little questions, okay, um, rather than one big one, that the cost would be less. And so she started to do that. And they were actually modestly cooperative. They would get her information. Uh, And then she filed more and more because no one would really talk to her. They all required she use this process. And she did it. And then all of a sudden, she sees an announcement on the agenda of the school committee to discuss filing a lawsuit against her for filing too many public record requests. Um, And that's when, you know, uh, I saw that and she wrote up her story for legal insurrection and we published it and it really, you know, took off from there. A lot of national coverage. She was on Fox News. And last night was the the trial, if you want to call it that, the public meeting. Lots of people turned out, about half supporting her, half against. It became a proxy battle over critical race theory in lower grades. Um, Some supporting it, some not. It almost became not even about her anymore. Uh, And, you know, and basically at the end of the night, after four hours, the board voted not to sue her um, to see if there was their counsel could resolve it. Um, And so they could still sue her, but at least she won that vote. But it's a really crazy, crazy atmosphere, Um, really uh, wokesters on the school, you know, education on the school, um, you know, council board for education. And it really uh, was a crazy situation where they singled her out and they put her name on the agenda. You bring up something interesting. The idea that she was trying to get information about what was being taught as opposed to giving her view of what she thought of what was being taught and how this meeting turned into a proxy battle. So when parents all across the country, and we deal with this in central Indiana, there are so many groups now that are setting up to ensure that there's education, not indoctrination in the schools. And when they ask any question, they're told, oh, you don't understand. No, 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 you're making it about race. It's not about that. Oh, no, it's not this. It's not that. It's not the other. But look how quickly people go uh, to that. What do you say to people as you study this and you take a look at the legal of this and they say, oh, critical race theory has been around for years. It's not what people make it out to be. Well, if you're going to sue somebody and and turn it into this fight, maybe it is what people think it is. (laughs) It's actually worse because, you know, critical race theory, they always say, well, that's just an academic thing that some law professors talked about. And to a modest extent, that's true. But what everybody complains about is how it's implemented, um, how these doctrines with the, the 
most misleading name uh, in recent memory. They call it anti-racism training, when in fact it's actually very racist. It's these shocking revelations that have come up about students being separated by race, about white students being forced to confess their white privilege. Um, It's about employees being subject to, you know, white fragility training. It's it, that's what people complain about. People don't complain about the academic study if some professors want to write law review articles about it. So it's really a dodge. It's it's the way critical race theory has shifted to training. So the website that we have, criticalrace.org, the title of the website is actually actually critical race training, because that's what we're focused on. How does this academic theory get implemented in the real world? And the way it gets implemented in the real world is race shaming, new segregation, um, ascribing attributes to people based on their skin color, uh, uh, holding people accountable for what people did 100 or 200 years ago who happened to have a similar skin color. The worst of the worst is what ends up happening. And that's what I think parents need to focus on. Don't fall into the trap of, you know, oh, this is just an academic theory. People should be able to study whatever they want to study. That's not the point. How are you implementing it? And that's what they never want to show you. That's what they never want to tell you. And that's why transparency is so important. And that's why they get so angry when you say, I want to actually see the kindergarten curriculum. I want to see which books you're reading. I want to see the posters on the wall in the classroom. Are they using these privileged circles that are used in a lot of schools? That's that's why they get so sensitive. They don't want you to see what they're actually doing. And, you know, for your listeners, I would say focus on getting the information about what is being taught to the students. Don't let them sidetrack you on this argument about, oh, it's been around for 50 years. It's just an academic theory. That, that's fine. Now show us what you're actually giving to our children. Show us what the curriculum is. Show us what is on the walls in the classroom. Okay. And if you won't, why not? Talking to William Jacobson of Legal Insurrection. And just so we are clear, the website on critical race theory that you have up or on critical race training is criticalrace.org, but it is critical race training in education. And it explores what's happening on a state by state basis, really on the university level, describes what critical race theory is, what the 1619 project is. But you brought up something that involves now what it is. Uh, lawyers like yourself, the legal battle at play when you have organizations, when you have school districts that will not allow you information. Specifically, we talk about school districts. We talk about superintendents that try to limit uh, participation at school board events, uh, things like this. When we talk about the rights of the parent, what are those rights? And when I ask that question, I mean it in this way. When a parent wants information about the curriculum and a school district says no, what can the parent do from the start before they have to engage any legal battle? Sure. Most states, maybe all states, I haven't checked all 50, but almost all states have some form of public record access process where you, for no charge, can 
file a request with a government entity to see certain things. Now, some things are exempt, okay, but, and there's a lot of statutes. It's similar to the Federal Freedom of Information Act that a lot of people, there are state equivalents in virtually every state. And you can use those, and they are obligated to respond. Now, they do play games. They might try to charge you an excessive cost. There's, you know, different things, but you don't need a lawyer to do that. Okay, it's not a court process. It's a statutory process. And if they don't comply in most states, you can complain to the attorney general of the state. The attorney general is the one who enforces the public records laws. And there can be penalties for the government entity uh, if they don't comply. So that is a really good first step. I would urge people keep your requests as specific and narrow as possible. Um, Don't say, I want you to give me everything that's in the school, every piece of paper in the school. Well, first of all, they'll come back to you and they'll say, you're not entitled to everything. And second of all, they'll say, that's fine. It's going to cost you $50,000 in copying charge. So keep it specific. Is there's a specific thing you want? Request that specific thing. Don't try to make it overly broad, because if you're overly broad, you'll get nothing. And, and use that process. The schools are required uh, to give you this information, and people should use it. And that's what's being used very effectively around the country. It's been used effectively for years at the federal level. Where do you think all these Fauci emails came from that are now in the news? These FOIA requests. FOIA requests, Freedom of Information Act requests. The agencies, of course, it took them whatever it was, six months or nine months or a year, but eventually they had to give them over. And so use that. You are People don't realize how empowered they are to get information from government. They think that they are not entitled to know anything. In fact, you're entitled to know a lot, not everything. There are some things that are privileged and exempt. Uh, you can't get private information about people, things like that. But there's a lot that you are entitled to, and people should use it. Now, you have a story, uh, Jeff Reynolds did the reporting at LegalInsurrection.com. And this is a question about how are our parents being effective in, in, in their methodologies, right? And I do agree with you that you have to stay focused and on task and don't confuse the issues and don't uh, muddy up uh, the waters. Be focused on what it is that you're doing. This was an update to a story, and we shared this story, where an Oregon school district was going to display, along with the American flag, a Black Lives Matter flag, flag and uh, pride flags, right? Uh, gay pride flags, rainbow uh, flag. And you have the update well, uh, that the Oregon School District voted not to display these things. So was this a question of it got media attention from people like yourself at LegalInsurrection.com and therefore they said, oh, we don't want the heat? Or was this parents in, of all places, Oregon saying, yeah, this isn't what we mean? Right. And by the way, Oregon, it was the progressive pride flag, not the pride flag we're all used to seeing. My mistake. The new version that's, you know, kind of hard left and they've got different colors and they've got different things on it. So Black Lives Matter flag and progressive pride flag. And I think it was just attention. You know, one of the things that's amazing is, you know, uh, people just showing up at a board meeting and complaining and voicing their opinions has a profound effect. And I think that if, you know, public, one of the things that I think, you know, succeeded for uh, Nicole last night was that half the crowd that showed up was there supporting her and really laying into um, the board for prosecuting or persecuting this mother who just wanted what they should have given her in the first place. And so people showing up 
you know, we always complain about all this stuff that happens in our schools and in our towns that, you know, all these lefty activists are getting their way. Well, where are you? Show up for the town council meeting. Run for town council. We had a speaker at one of our webinars who ran for his town school board and won. Okay, run for election for something, not, you know, nationally, but run for your school board. Get involved in your parent teacher association. Get involved. We need there are, I think, 13,000 school public school districts in the United States. We don't need a million people to do this. We need a handful of people in each district can have a profound impact. Uh, in shedding light on what is happening, because a lot of the people pushing this stuff, they don't want you to know. They like the school doors to be shut. They like to have control over everything. And to a certain extent, they are entitled to that. But there's also entitled parents to get information. And if they don't want to give it to you, that's the biggest red flag that you need to get it. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor. It's LegalInsurrection.com, and you can also go to CriticalRace.org. We're going to keep up with these conversations. i got to bring you out to Indiana and do an event, man. we got to put that together. Absolutely. I would do yeah. it in a heartbeat. Yeah, we will, we, we will start working on that for some time this summer and get people ready for the school year coming. William Jacobson, Legal Insurrection. Always a pleasure. More coming up. I'm Tony Katz. So I never ended up buying a classic. I went to the Meekum auction, looked for a classic car, and oh man, uh, they're they're heading around the country. They're heading uh, to Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you know uh, weekends were heard on on KRMG in, in Tulsa, and it's it's. If you haven't been to the Meekum auction, it's very cool, and they've got like I think they're doing six hundred cars there. So it's it's a fantastic time. Uh, bring the family, bring the kids. Uh, I tried to bid. I did not do well. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Used car prices in general are through the roof. This is because of that computer chip shortage. This is not going away anytime soon. As a matter of fact, no one knows when it's going away. You ask experts, you ask people in the industry, hey, when will we see more new cars on the lot? And they're all like... They, they, have, they, have, they have no clue. Used cars prices have gone up 29% since 2020, and they're up 17% within the past 90 days. Now, it's central Indiana. I'm telling you, that's nationwide. There are no new cars on the lot, and because of it, when guys go in the used car industry, they're going to the auctions, right, and they're buying, those prices are going up, so their margins are getting squeezed. So it's not like they're making, you know, crazy amounts of money. They're actually sometimes making less on a car. One of the groups here had 35% more sales in the first five months of 2021 than the same period last year, but might be making just a little bit more money depending on where those margins sit. So, yeah, so a guy like me, like, I, I know I, my, my kid's going to be driving. I'm, I'm going to need one. Uh, I'll, I'll wait. And no, I wasn't getting my kid a classic. I was getting me a classic. Kid can drive a minivan and say thank you. <laughs> was, that, was that a little too on the nose? My first car was a Mercury Topaz. I'm still not over it. I am still to an extent scarred. <laughs> 
Of course not really. By the Mercury Topaz. There were kids in my high school, they were driving a judge. Oh, oh, good Lord. I knew I knew nothing about cars then, absolutely nothing. I knew that was better than what I was driving. I, if you have a car to sell, you're going to never do better than you will today, right now. You will never do better. And if you got some serious spare coin to, you know, put out there, the Meekum auction, man. Woo! The Meekum auction. If you're in Tulsa, check that one out when it comes to town. Very cool. This is Tony Katz today.